Bibles to Job, chapter 1. We've been, we spent a lot of time in Job, for good reason. Um, there's some great foundational things to learn in chapter 1 before you get to chapter 2, 3, and 4. As a matter of fact, chapter 2 is fun. When I say fun, it wasn't for Job, but it was, it's fun to actually start to, it's kind of like... Um, uh, kind of like making some progress, and you'll make a lot of progress through the book of Job um, once we've got some of these great truths. Now, I'm going to talk to you about listening to the silence of God because um, Job chapter 1, and just for time, I'm not going to have you stand. I'm just going to read it real quick. <clears throat> Hopefully by now you've gotten comfortable with it. Job chapter 1, verse 20 says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle. Now he's heard of of uh, disaster after disaster coming into his home and his, um, his business. And he rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Verse 21, and he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I know we, used, we often think that God uh, allows us to go through a dip or a bit of a valley, but then it quickly fixes and picks up again. But not often. If you've been safe for very long, sometimes that valley goes on for a long time. And Job had no idea, look at chapter 2, verse 8, that it was going to get worse. <laughs> Job chapter 2 and verse 8, uh, look at verse 7. So Satan, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job. He's already lost everything. But he smote, now that word smote means he hit him with everything he's got health-wise. He smote Job with sore, painful boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown, to the top of his head. And he took him a potsherd, a piece of a broken pot, to scrape himself withal. And he sat down among the ashes. If there's anybody defeated, it was Job. Now, we're going back 2,000 years before Jesus, Job's in school. Maybe you read through your Bible and you never realized that when Joseph was um, uh, growing up in a home with Jacob as his daddy, uh, he, didn't, he may not have really thought about it, but that was part of his schooling, but it wasn't the finish. Joseph then had to go to school in prison, and then he had to go to school um, in the palace, and each time God's teaching him something... Um, usually about himself. Now, Job's in school, and uh, that ash heap was him sitting in God's classroom, and God's got some things that he's going to teach him, and thankfully he's going to teach all of us, because we, we don't need, we, we've got a lot of uh, um, uh, apologetics ministries, which are great, and they are a blessing, and they give Christians answers for people who are looking for answers. But you know what? Most people don't care about answers. Most people are not wondering, where is God anymore? They're kind of just, blah, blah. So it, the fact that God is there is self-evident. Only a fool says there's no God. So if you're trying to convince somebody that God exists, you're talking to somebody who's almost made up their mind as it's impossible to convince them that he's there. doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Just realize, it ought to be evident that there is a God, okay? So God's existence is self-evident. Anything beyond that, however, if you want to know what his name is, if you want to know about his son, if you want to know how to know him and how to get close to him, you're going to have to be taught. You're going to have to have God telling you these things, teaching these things. So how do we learn about God? 
how do we learn about God? Uh, previously, uh, we have um, we've we've gone into the classroom. If you ever remember when you we've gone through a, a, a school. And there's a hallway in a lot of schools, especially secondary schools, where each door takes you a different classroom. And does anybody remember what's the first class that teaches us about God? Anybody remember? I can't hear you. Religion? Nah, not quite, but I, I know where you're coming from. But how about the scriptures? Come on up here. The scriptures, John 5, 39, Jesus said, search the scriptures, because they tell about me. So if you want to know God, you start with the Bible. He secondly said, you better learn from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a way of teaching you things as you read the Bible. Is it possible to read the Bible and still not get saved? Of course it is. The Pharisees read the Bible. They learned the Bible. But they never wanted to know the author of the Bible. And they never wanted the Spirit of God to teach them. They thought that they could learn it on their own. Now, there's some people that are pretty smart, and they don't, they, they don't seem to need a teacher to explain to them algebra or to explain to them what a gerund noun is, you know. But the rest of us, we need teachers. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the teacher of this book, and if you are not saved, the Bible, the first thing, the purpose of the Bible is revealed to you, you need to get saved. You're not going to learn about God by, by not listening to the Holy Spirit of the Bible. You need to, the, the natural man doesn't receive it. Third classroom is hard suffering. Job experienced that in verse chapter 2, verse 3. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without a cause. So all the stuff that was going on, God's trying to show Job himself through the suffering. And Paul... I think Paul writes, how many of you know, uh, uh, prob- oh, let me see, which do you think is probably the brightest book that the Apostle Paul wrote, the most, the, the book most full of joy? Which book was it? Which would you guess? Philippians. Do you know where Joe, sorry, where Paul was when he wrote the book of Philippians? In prison. So don't think that I hate where God has me. I hate what I'm having to go through because that's where some of the most beautiful truth is revealed to the Christian. If you're waiting to be on the mountaintop, if you're waiting to have everything nice and fluffy, you're not going to learn much there, okay? Through hard suffering. Then by searching for him, you're, when you look for him, what does the Bible say in Jeremiah? You shall seek me and find me when? When you search for me. Is that uh, uh, Jeremiah 26 or 23? Where is that, John? You shall search for me and, and find, uh, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. 31, 32, okay. So Job looks for him and he's going to find him. And then lastly, by sharpening, I mentioned last time where you are sometimes with other people. When you're left to yourself, you're going to come up with weird conclusions about God. So God puts people in your life to challenge you and you need to listen to them. And they may get you to think about something you never thought about. And sharpening, iron sharpeneth iron. So, tonight I'm going to talk about God revealing himself and teaching us through silence. Go to Job chapter 13. This is the hardest classroom that any Christian will ever go through. 
Job has a problem with God's silence, like we all would, and we all do. Job chapter 13, verse 24. Job 13, 24. This is Job crying out, and he says, Wherefore, we'd say, Why hidest thou thy face, and holdest me for thine enemy? Who's he talking to? Yes, he says, Why are you hiding? Why are you treating me like an enemy? Why don't you talk to me? Look at chapter 23, verse 3. Job 23 and verse 3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. You know, I want to be real practical for a moment. You know what people need? They need to make sure that they're, they need to know that there's a church where they can come and find God. Not that they come to a, a, a place where God is in a corner over here, uh, or God is up in the, uh, the the loft over there, or whatever. But that they will hear about God, they will know that that um, uh, the, the the teaching is to reveal Jesus Christ. Because people are wondering, where are you? Job wondered, I want to know where to find him. Look at chapter twenty three, verse eight. Now, behold, I go forward, but he's not there. Go backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, oh, I'm looking for him there where I know that he doth work, but I cannot behold him, and he hides himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. Now, you know the next verse, but I know this, he knoweth the way that I take. He knows where I'm going, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job struggles with God being silent and being hidden. Job chapter 30, verse 20. Job chapter 30, in verse 20. I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. I'm trying to get your attention, God, but you seem to be ignoring me. 31 now, verse 35. Job 31, and verse 35. Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me, and that my adversary had written a book. I just want to know what my crimes are. I just want to know what my enemy has against me. I want to know what God thinks about this. Where are you? Job struggled with God's silence. David struggled with this. Psalm 10.1. I'll just read these very quickly. David cried out, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? You think, and don't you, don't you wish... That when you got saved, God didn't let you ever get in trouble again. Don't you, don't you wish that? Didn't you hope that would happen? <laughs> I'm never gonna get in, get in, uh, trapped by the devil. I'm never gonna fall. I'm never gonna have too much on me. And you go, why in times of trouble do you seem to hide yourself? David struggled with this. King Saul struggled with this. King Saul, after he ignored and rejected God's commandments three times, God goes silent, and it says this in 1 Samuel 14, 37, Saul asked counsel of God, and he said, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into the hand of Israel? But God answered him not that day. Saul became so desperate that he went to a witch. He says, Bring up Samuel from the dead. I need to talk to somebody because God is not talking to me. What a way. Saul panicked at God's silence. Let me give you some troubles and some facts about silence because 
silence is easily misunderstood. Let's just make it human here. If someone, when, when somebody is silent towards you, you ever had the silent treatment? No. You haven't been married, have you? <laughs> it's as if someone doesn't care about you when they're, when they're silent towards you and what you're going through. It's like they're, they want all the attention on them. And since God was not speaking to Job, it was easy for Job to imagine what God was thinking about this. Can you imagine Job sitting on that ash heap? He's not twiddling his thumbs. He's not scanning through Twitter and Facebook. You know what he's doing? He's wondering, God, what are you thinking? God, you must be all through with me. Can you imagine him saying that? I do. God, you must not care what I'm going through. Look at where you led me, where you led me fall. Look at me, will you? God, what are you thinking? You must not care. You must be tired of me. Now, I had a friend when I was in Bible college, and, and he struggled with, um, with some, some ideas about God. And there was a time where he went through a, a, a sort of a, a low point in his life, and he decided, he told me that he was quitting Bible college and, and um, he just was not going to become a, a pastor or a missionary. I don't remember what his, what his calling was and everything. And he was just so frustrated. And I said, what's wrong? What, why, why would you do that? He said, because I think God is tired of me. I said, what do you mean tired of you? I'm a failure. I, temptation comes along and I give in to it. I, I have old habits and they crop up and I give in to them. God, I figured God just wants to kill me and get it over with. I went, What? He'd want to kill all of us. You see, when you get this perfectionist idea that, you know, Christians are not sinners and Christians don't struggle and Christians don't battle and Christians don't fail, you're in the wrong business. Because there are none of us that are any more than dirt that have been saved by grace. So what the devil will come along and he'll tell you, you're no good. God, God not, God's not interested in you anymore. You've let him down too many times. And he said, I think I probably pushed God too far. I think God just is through with me. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. Find that in the Bible. It's easy when God's not talking to you for you to make up your mind what he's thinking. Amen. And wouldn't you agree, it feels pretty alone when someone's silent to you. That's the point. They want you to feel alone, <laughs> usually. Now, the truth is, when someone's not saying anything, it leaves us to our imagination, which is dangerous. Silence sometimes is good and necessary. You and I need to be silent regularly. What does the Bible say in Psalm 46? Be still and know that I am God. We have noise going around us all the time. People are uncomfortable with quietness. Which is bad. You know, if, 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 if we, as Christians, have to have the TV on and, and uh, music constantly playing or constant activity or constant conversation, I mean, sometimes we are, we, we have no time for God to talk to us. And when we can't be silent, God goes silent. 
And he goes, I can't get a word in edgewise. So make sure you have what's called a quiet time in the morning. You ever heard that term? It's a, that term on purpose. You know, when you and your wife or, or you and your friends sometimes are just somewhere and nobody's talking, you know what everybody says? What's wrong? Nothing. We're just enjoying being together. Amen. You and I need to have silent times regularly. Our, when I was uh, in town with Weston, I'm telling you, everybody had their iPods, their buds in their ears. They're, they're walking down the street. You're like, hello, can I talk to you? Um, our brains and our hearts were made to stop questioning, stop analyzing, stop figuring. One of the problems that Job goes through with his friends is they're going back and forth trying to understand things that are not understandable. Now, that's not a problem. But I don't think Job rested through the whole thing. The best part of that entire time was the seven days when the friends came and they said nothing. You know, that's probably the best thing they ever did for Job. They got there and they sat down and they went, and they said nothing to Job. That was probably the best thing they could do. Because it is important to have silent times. Um, <clears throat> restful silence in a home is a gift. Can you agree? If you got parent, if your parents, grandparents, you got kids in the house, isn't restful silence in the home a gift? Hallelujah! <laughs> Amen. All oh, those kids are so wonderful when they're asleep. It is. Hey, restful silence is something you need. A wise man, a wise woman, will learn when to be silent. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, "A fool uttereth all his mind, and it's not much." But a wise man keepeth in, keepeth it in until afterwards. Don't say just because everybody is saying their opinion. Don't join in. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says, "Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips." is esteemed a man of understanding. When everybody else has talked and you kept your mouth shut, you know what everybody will say? So what do you think? You must be the smartest of all because you didn't say anything. And Psalm 141.3 says, Set a watch, O Lord. <laughs> Set a guard before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips because otherwise stupid things are going to come out. It's important to learn to be silent. You have to work at it. First Thessalonians 4.11, some of the most amazing verses in the Bible. You'll find it in the New Bibles. You ready? It says, study to be quiet. Yeah, you have to learn to be quiet. You have to learn that you don't have to say everything that you feel like saying. And to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Study to be quiet. Because it is when we are quiet that God speaks. When <clears throat> we won't go to it, but in First Kings chapter nineteen, Elijah has has run away from the will of God. He's fled from um, Jezebel, and he's in a cave. He's on Mount Sinai, by the way, and he's in a cave there. And he's frustrated and mad at God. He's kicking the cat. He's he's all upset over everything going to pieces. And God says, "What's the problem?" He says, "I've been very jealous for you, and you don't seem to appreciate it." And then all of a sudden, a storm blows up, and a hurricane blows. And outside of that, that the mouth of that cave, rocks are falling. And, and uh, Elijah starts to wake up out of his 
um, frustration and his anger and his bitterness. He looks out there and he looks for God and God is not there, it says. And then a firestorm explodes and and he gets all excited. He says, wow, the power of God. And he goes out there. God was not there. When did God show up, it says? In the still, small voice that when he finally just sat there looking for God, and then God began to speak. And then God said, what's the problem? Hmm. <laughs> God is the God of silence sometimes. Go to Job 34. Job 34 and verse 29. Nope, that's not it. I'm not sure where I have it. I wrote it down in here. I said Job 34, 29. Oh, I do. I'm sorry. I was looking for 39. 29. This is... Listen to these words. When he giveth quietness, talking about God, who then can make trouble? Isn't that good? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God makes things quiet, who's going to upset it? And yet, when he hideth his face, who then can behold him? You can't find him. When God goes hiding, you're not going to find him. Whether it be done against a nation or against a man only. So the point is, guess what? When God is silent, he's in charge. He can bring quietness, but he also just, and rest, he also can um, bring trouble. Do you know God was silent from when Joseph dies and they carry his bones uh, and they embalm him. He says, make sure when you go into Egypt, that you carry my bones into, sorry, into the promised land out of Egypt. When, when Joseph, who was the prince of Egypt, when he dies, he gives instruction that I need you to make sure when you get into the promised land, you take my bones with you. Well, uh, four, it took 400 years for them to actually end up in the promised land. And the truth is this. During that time when Israel was in Egypt, God never spoke to them. Never sent a prophet. Never came to them and said, look forward to that time where you're going to the promised land. They were on their own for 400 years. Was it a fun time in Egypt? At first, it seemed like everything was going to go fine, and then it all fell apart, and they became slaves. And they cried out to God, they cried out to God, and they cried out to God, and God did not answer. 400 long years. Did you know there was another time where God went silent for 400 years? It was from the last prophet Malachi all the way to John the Baptist. You imagine the excitement on everybody's face when they, when they started talking about, did you hear there's a preacher out in the wilderness? Did you hear him preach? Did you ever hear a man like that preach? He is a voice crying out in the wilderness. That's a prophet. God's been silent, but now he's speaking again. It was a thrill. 400 years, God had let it go where he wasn't going to say anything. Sometimes Jesus is silent. I want to take you to, take your hymnal. We read that hymn, we were singing that hymn, but I want to show you something. Show you something really sweet about this hymn, why I had you. 272, I think it was it. 272, on Christ's solid rock. 272. Look at verse 2 and how 
Edward Mote wrote something. I don't know if he was thinking of Job. I don't know, but he was thinking of the silence of God. And listen to his words. When darkness veils his lovely face, when I don't see him, when I can't see him in my valley, when I can't see him in my trouble, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Now listen, why did I bring that up? Because can you remember Jesus took his disciples, and the Bible says a storm was gathering on the Sea of Galilee. He had to actually compel them to get into the boat. They said, why are we going to the other side? It it, it doesn't make sense, Jesus. Jesus had to actually probably kick them off and says, I'll see you on the other side. And they started to row, and they went out to uh, that, that, that storm, and the gales and the waves came up, and the ship is starting to sink, and where is Jesus? He's back on the other side. And they are alone. Do you know what? Jesus did that on purpose. He sent them out without him. And while they're out there, guess what happens at about midnight? Guess who comes walking on that water? And you know what he has the audacity to say? Be of good cheer! (laughs) Wow! I'm here. Another time, when he was actually in the boat, where was he in the boat? Was he rowing? Where was he? He's in the bottom of the back of the boat and it's sinking. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's being silent. There are times when Jesus was silent. I'm going to give you one more example and we're just going to have to stop here. Um, Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped her feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sister sent unto Jesus. Why would they send for Jesus? Why would they do that? Come on, don't be shy. Because he could heal them. Look, if you had a walking, talking, miracle worker within reach, within sending somebody for a message, wouldn't you call for him and says, my brother's sick. Come, and they sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Lurk down to verse 6. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, how rude could you be? My wife says from downstairs, I need you to come get Chloe. And I ignore her. And I stay doing what I'm doing. You know what she's going to do? She's going to raise her volume. (laughs) She's going to be upset. I need you to come downstairs. Here's the point. If you ask somebody to come and they don't come, is that not rude? What are they doing? You know the story. When Jesus does come, how does Mary and Martha receive Jesus? With fangs. Where were you? If you had been here, our brother had not died. 
Now, did Jesus know what was going on, and did he do what he did on purpose, yes or no? So when God doesn't seem to be answering your prayer, when God doesn't seem to be running to your rescue, when God just seems to go silent and doesn't seem to be doing anything in your life, is it because he doesn't care? No. Is it true that maybe he knows what he's doing? And that when he lets you go out into the storm and feel what it's like to be alone, when he leaves you and you lose everything... Also, that you can realize he's there. He's there in ways that we cannot comprehend, but he's there in the best ways, which we'll have to look at next time. All right. Because um, I'm going to say this, and we'll be finished. Nope. Well, I'm going to say this, but I won't teach it. God is understood by his silence as much as by his spoken word. And we're going to have to deal with that next week. Let me just ask you to bow your heads and think for a moment. When you've gotten frustrated with God, think for a moment when, when, let me put it this way. Start back and think of that time when God was so close to you, when you and Jesus seemed to just be flying, when church was priority, when everything was fresh, when, when, when um, everything about your new life in Christ was alive and well. And then you went through a valley. Maybe it was years later, whatever. Maybe it's now. I don't know. God just doesn't seem so fresh. And God seems kind of far away. And God seems silent. God doesn't seem to be doing anything. Did God change? No, God didn't change. Now, as I'll say next time, it could be sin in our life that make him go quiet. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes God's trying to mature us. And I want you to look at your zeal and see if you're pulling away from church, if you're backing away from ministry, if you're doing things just because you feel cold, let me tell you that. Because that's not the purpose of your trial. The purpose of your trial is so that you can shine. And for you to trust in his unchanging grace. So look at your life and say, have you ever gotten frustrated with God and then sort of just gave up a little bit? Very few Christians just give up in total. Most give up bit by bit by bit until their faith is almost gone, till their joy is almost gone, till their zeal is just not there anymore. You need to take a look at your life and go, you know, Lord, I think I'm to blame. I misunderstood your silence. I misunderstood the lack of blessing. I misunderstood the hardships. I think I misunderstood you, and I'm sorry. So whatever you're trying to do in my life, whatever you're trying to teach me, please help me to keep my mouth shut and listen. Help me not be like Elijah, bitter and angry at you. Help me not be like Job, where I just want to die. Father, I don't know if this has helped anybody else, but it sure has been good for me. Lord, to learn some of the things about, I wish, I wish you would write in the sky. I wish you would sometimes intervene and and do things like I want. God, you know what you're doing. There are times when you go silent and it's all according to plan. I pray that I and all of us would step back and say, Lord, I've interrupted class. I've interrupted class too much. I'm going to sit down and, and listen and learn. Because it's in that silent time 
I think you'll speak the loudest. So Lord, hear our request tonight. We want to know you. It is eternal life to know you. And we want to sense you. We want to hear from you. When we read your word, when we're at church, when we're soul winning, when we're doing things, Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice like you promised. Make our Christianity fresh. Oh, dear God, revive us again, please. In Jesus' name, amen.